Hello and welcome to the Sky U Podcast. I am U Street and with me this week is Andy, go for Guy 05. Sky Ma. And of course, both of us hate Iowa because it is the first real hate week of the season. Andy, how much do you hate Iowa? I hate Iowa so much. It's smelly, it's dirty, and, well, I would normally boycott pigs for the week, but, I mean, let's be honest, you got to eat bacon on Floyd week. So, um, yeah, let's just go with Iowa smells. Yeah, free Floyd, indeed. Iowa presents a quite a large challenge for the University of Minnesota football team this week. Minnesota, of course, 9-0 and after coming off a upset over Penn State last week. It's been in the news up into the single digits in terms of the polls and also the totally ludicrous college football playoff. Here's what it would look like if we had the playoff today, which we don't. Nonetheless, the Gophers will come in either close to a favorite or a slight underdog, depending on the Vegas odds you were looking at. Andy, one of the things that we've noticed about Iowa is they have quite a good defense. Can you break down a little bit about what the Gophers should expect to see on Saturday? Yeah, this will be the uh, big overview version as, as Iowa Gophers not here and done his full research yet. But um, the thing about Iowa's defense that seems to be they, they like to float between either running a 4-3 or a 4-2-5. Um, and with the Gophers and their pass attack, it seems like Iowa most likely uh, is going to be running a 4-2-5 this week. So obviously that means four down linemen, two linebackers, and, and basically five secondary members, so a full, full nickel. Um, so the interesting thing about that will be if you can get blocking downfield, it could be a huge day for the Gopher running game. Um, Iowa is one of the stouter defenses in in the country, much less the Big Ten, so it won't be easy. But if the Gophers can get production from their offensive line and get a good push and can get Rodney Smith, Shannon Brooks, and Muhammad Ibrahim into uh, into secondary blocking, where you've got you know Coquif working on a on a nickelback instead of another linebacker, uh, that's where good things could really happen for Minnesota. Um, pass wise, the thing for Minnesota that's going to have to watch is going to be the Iowa pass rush. Uh, Iowa was fairly neutralized against Wisconsin last week. Obviously, Wisconsin is one of the better offensive lines in the Big Ten in the country, but uh, the name you're going to have to pay attention to on defense is A.J. Epinesa. Uh, A.J. Epinesa came in as a preseason All-American. Um, he's he's done amazing things on the D-line uh, for the Hawkeyes, but Wisconsin shut him down last week. He only had one tackle, but it was a strip sack uh in the first quarter against the Badgers, but he did nothing else in the game against Wisconsin. So I will not be surprised if you see uh, Kirk Chiraka working on making sure wherever Epinesa lines up that the Gophers have somebody also shadowing him, whether that be a tight end or whether they go with the uh, six offensive linemen set we saw a lot against Penn State. Um, But I think, yeah, the key will be Iowa's defensive line, not as good as Penn State's, but definitely quality. Um, their linebackers are hurting a little bit. They, they're they missing one of their uh, middle linebackers who's a little banged up in uh, Christian Welsh. Um, so, again, especially if, if I was running a 4-2-5, uh, taking advantage of, of one of those starting linebackers not being able to play could be key. So I think uh, it's going to be another... Uh, another day where the Gophers are really going to have to try and get the run going and attack those those short passing routes 
um, which will hopefully open up the deep routes for Tanner Morgan, who um, today was named a semifinalist for the Davey O'Brien Award, the best quarterback in the country. Which is fantastic. Congratulations to Tanner on a similarly meaningless award semifinal because let's be real joe burrows is going to be winning that particular award nonetheless it's good to see recognition andy hit on an important point which is that minnesota will face a potential challenge depending on which defense iowa is choosing to play i am willing to bet quite a bit of money on minnesota's receivers versus basically everybody and that should mean that if tanner morgan is able to throw the ball that's going to present a big challenge for the hawkeyes for precisely the reason that andy mentioned it should open up running lanes against the iowa defense and while minnesota had a shall we say lackluster performance only rushing for a little over 100 yards among the three primary running backs against penn state that is in part because penn state is fantastically good on defense i happen to think that the hawkeyes are also quite good on defense but if minnesota is able to establish an intermediate passing game such that those linebackers have to be thinking a lot and have to hesitate a little bit for uh, the reasons that andy mentioned that should go well for minnesota on offense on defense Minnesota faces a Iowa Hawkeyes team that is one of the most offensively challenged in the Big Ten. They're 10th in the Big Ten in rushing, 95th in the country. They are 4th in the Big Ten in passing, which is only about 54th in the country. And they are only averaging about 24 points a game, which puts them 11th in the Big Ten or 97th in the country. Unlike the historic teams for the Hawkeyes, they do not have a absolutely stud running back, nor for that matter do they have stud tight ends. This is surprising. The Hawkeyes lean on a trio of running backs, uh, Mackay Sargent, Torin Young, and a new freshman, Tyler Goodson, but none of those three have been particularly standout. Sargent's the most consistent of the three. He leads the team in rushing yards with only 464. For reference, Andy, am I right that Rodney Smith has a chance to break 1,000 this weekend? Yeah, I believe that's correct. I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but uh, I'm pretty sure Rodney Smith has a chance to break 1,000. Uh, Rashad Bateman has a chance to break 1,000 this week. Um, so you're looking at potentially a couple of Gophers that, that could have milestones against this Hawkeye defense if they can attack it. Iowa also has some challenges to injuries on the offensive line. Both left tackle Alaric Jackson and right guard Kyler Schott have been banged up over the season and missed games. It is unclear whether or not they'll be missing this weekend as well. However, Nate Stanley has still generally been pretty good over the season. He's completing about 60% of his passes, thrown for over two bills, 2,158 yards to be exact. And I think he can definitely give any team a lot of challenges. I think Stanley is a very solid quarterback. Something that is a bit different this season than the last few is that he hasn't put up very many touchdowns. He only has 12 on the season. And against Michigan, in addition to having a major problem from the line breaking down, leading to eight sacks for Michigan, he also threw three interceptions. Also, if you read Hawkeye boards occasionally, fans suggest that Nate Stanley has a tendency to not show up in big games, which I think I can speak for Andy, and Andy, please correct me if I'm wrong, we're totally fine if he wants to take Saturday off. Yeah, you know, I would be uh, perfectly okay if he uh, he just decides that it's not quite worth it this year. Now, I will say that he has had fairly good success against Minnesota's career, including throwing for several touchdowns in leading Iowa to 48 points last year against the Gophers at TCF Bank Stadium. Um, so I think another thing that will be uh, definitely in the heads of, of all the Gopher players, if not the Iowa players, is, is to try and add one more 
checkoff into the uh, Rod Smith or yeah, Rob Smith uh, Revenge Tour. I understand why you hesitated because saying expletives on this podcast is always challenging since we're family friendly. It is a very much on, on the revenge chart. We're going to come back, of course, at the end of this podcast, give our predictions for this game. I think you'll be shocked to know that neither one of us are picking Iowa because separate from lots of other reasons, that's actually a bannable offense for Daily Gopher staff members. But we're going to switch a little bit right now to cover some of the other sports. There's, of course, basketball has started, hockey has been continuing, and we've also got a situation where uh, we have some new recruits on who has been recently signed. We are, however, going to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we'll talk about those issues. Welcome back. Now let's begin with a sort of sad beginning, which is that the basketball team is now 1-2 and two on the season after a first game win against Cleveland State, who is bad, and will probably recently be getting additional sanctions due to the fact that Kansas cheated. The Governors went and lost to Oklahoma at a neutral site, the Sanford Pentagon, and then most recently on the 12th of November, lost at Butler. In both of those games, Minnesota shot under 30% from the three-point line, and in both of those games, they attempted more than 23 pointers. Minnesota's primary problem from the men's perspective, men's basketball team perspective, is that it's a team that is fundamentally built on being able to shoot three pointers, and right now they are wholly incapable of doing that. It's also, I think, from a partisan perspective, i.e., my perspective, quite frustrating to be one and two in this situation because Minnesota was leading and/or very much in a position to win both against Oklahoma and Butler, and then at the end, Oklahoma. Oklahoma went on a 23-6 run to finish the game. Butler also, after being down a possession, ended up going on a relatively long run to end up winning 64-56 over Minnesota. In the Oklahoma game, Minnesota, in addition to being 8-for-32 from behind the three-point line, was also 4-of-12 from the free throw line. Either one of those numbers changes to something that is not heinous, and that game is flipped. And similarly, they were only 6 of 23 from behind the three-point arc against Butler, and at least four of those misses were wide open. So that is quite frustrating. Andy, do you have thoughts on the early season of the Gopher basketball team? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think we knew with putting in as many new players as they were that they're going to maybe have a little trouble gelling to begin the year. But I think... You know, the fact that, that Richard Pitino has been emphasizing that this team was going to be a shooting team and this was the best shooting team he's had so far at Minnesota, yet to come out and just be, well, I'll just say it straight up horrid from behind the arc early here. Um, you know, I think we were talking a little bit in Slack last night, and Gabe Kalsher has uh, has not had a good start to the season so far for the Gophers, and that's somebody who, if Minnesota's going to do anything this year, he really needs to be, uh, you know, probably their second strongest scoring threat behind Daniel Arturu. Um, but he has not found his range whatsoever early this year and has made a few costly mistakes. Um, you know, I think the, the bright spots have been both the play of Marcus Carr and Peyton Willis, uh, both those transfers, Carr from Pitt and Willis from Vanderbilt. Um, you know, we, we'd heard good things about him behind the scenes, and both of them have looked like they're going to be great good Big Ten players coming here, um, really being a, a formidable uh, guard set for Minnesota here for the next, hopefully, couple of seasons. Um, and Daniel Oturu has been awesome. The problem is is you can't really play three on five. As we said, Kalsher has been sort of uh, a disappointment, and uh, they're hurting to get a consistent effort from the four spot, whoever it may be, whether it be 
um, Demir or whether it be Omersa, they're not quite getting uh, play that they're going to need there. Um, and, and as you said, the schedule doesn't get any easier. They go they go to Utah this weekend. Um, Utah, who set the NCAA Division One record for biggest scoring margin in a game here in their first game against Mississippi Valley State or somebody like that. So, but they still beat the team by almost a hundred points. Um, so they can score. So the Gophers are going to have to play some defense uh, to try not to get run off the floor on there. And then, um, you know, we we. A, a non-conference game that I think people thought was going to be a little bit easier later in the year when DePaul comes in on Black Friday. Uh, DePaul went into Iowa City and absolutely curb-stomped the Hawkeyes uh, Monday night. So, um, yeah, this non-conference season is not going to be easy for the Gophers, and they're going to have to try and work through some things and find some things to uh, to get themselves in a position to really be playing better basketball by the time the Big Ten season comes around if they want to try and recover from a subpar non-con. I would be slightly less optimistic, at least for the first three games, about Marcus Carr's performance, though I do believe that he is in many ways the most important player on this team. Your point guard always should be, in some sense, the most important. But Carr's inability to shoot from behind the arc, and also in the Oklahoma game, inability to make free throws, in many ways is the difference in the margin. Peyton Willis has looked like a solid performer, and I think that Daniel Oturo is fast, showing you why he should be an all-Big Big Ten first-team ballot candidate at the end of the season the open question that we had going from the offseason especially after the loss of eric curry who unfortunately went down with yet another knee injury was who was going to play the four after three games i believe that jarvis omersa should be starting and honestly as long as he's feeling fresh probably should never leave the floor because while he thus far doesn't have an offensive game Yet he provides a lot more in terms of hustle and defense and physicality that can defend fours. Alejandro Demir, the first three games, has not looked like he has much of an offensive game, and it seems to be an absolute defensive liability, which is wildly unfortunate. I'm very hopeful that that changes over the course of the season, such as the problem of only looking at the first three games, especially when you're integrating a lot of players, but it is not wildly positive after three. What is more positive, though, is that the early signing for the basketball team happened, and Minnesota has signed a pair of four-star recruits, Jamal Mashburn Jr. and Martise Mitchell. Mashburn is a guard. He's a great scorer, can supposedly shoot the lights out. Let us hope that is, in fact, true when he makes it to college. Martise Mitchell is a 6'10", four, potentially could play the five, very long and athletic, raw in certain qualities, which not ideal, but on the other hand, potentially has uh, loads, uh, loads of potential and a very high ceiling. Supposedly can play inside and outside. So both of those recruits, at least for next season, are looking very positive. In addition to our winter sports, hockey, the ultimate winter sport, is back. Andy, how are the hockey teams doing? Yeah, you know, I wasn't on the podcast last week, so we didn't get to talk about the hockey team. Uh, the, the hockey team that's doing the best, of course, is the Gopher women. Uh, they had a bye this week uh, as as uh, several of the national team players were off competing in a, in a tournament with the Canadians. Um, but the previous week, they hosted previous number one Wisconsin at Ritter Arena, and the Gophers took uh, five out of six points from the Badgers. They ended up getting a 4-2 win on Saturday on a pair of goals by Grace Zumwinkle, and then came back and tied Wisconsin on Sunday, 2-2, two two, um, and it went all the way through both regular and the 3-on-3 overtime period to the shootout 
where Amy Potomac, who you may have seen the goal uh, on our page, won the shootout for the Gophers with a between-the-legs stunner, ended up being the number one uh, play, top-ten play on SportsCenter that night. Um, but the Gophers took over the uh, number one spot ranking in the country and in the WCHA. So they will hold on to that before they get back into action this weekend uh, with Bemidji State coming to Ritter for a pair. Uh, the Gophers are significantly better than Bemidji State, but for whatever reason, the Beavers always seem to give the Gophers a little bit of trouble. Uh, so hopefully Minnesota can keep their streak going. Uh, they get two more uh, weekends before non-conference play picks up again, as I said, with Bemidji State, then they have to go up to Duluth next weekend. Um, hopefully they're not looking forward to uh, the weekend after Thanksgiving, which will be a, a big tournament down in Nashville. Uh, yes, for whatever reason, four of the best college hockey programs in the country are playing a tournament in Nashville. Um, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Boston College, and Harvard are heading down there, and the Gophers will play BC and Harvard on Friday and Saturday after Thanksgiving. Um, so hopefully it'll be an interesting experience for uh, the Gophers and Badgers women's teams to maybe sit together and uh, watch the battle for the axe that Saturday before they uh, before they play hockey. But um, on the men's side, the men have had a up and down uh, season. They sit at four four and two overall with a one one two and two conference record. So they've won one game, they've lost one game, they've tied two games, but they picked up the extra point in in both those shootout slash three and three overtime periods um, convoluted the way the Big Ten does their standings. But um, uh, the weekend of the first and the second, the Gophers um, won two points on the weekend. They tied Notre Dame Friday night 2-2 and ended up winning in three and three overtime, getting the extra Big Ten point with Sammy Walker scoring in the three and three before losing Saturday. Uh, and then last weekend they were out in Ann Arbor and uh, Friday night they tied 1-1 before winning in double overtime the extra conference point again. That would be Jackson Nelson scoring on a sweet goal you may have seen uh, around the internet um, to win the game, or win the extra point for the Gophers in 3-on-3. Three three. And then Minnesota picked up a 3-1 win on Saturday, um, taking five points on the weekend from the Wolverines, which was nice. Uh, back, the Gophers are back in action this weekend. It will be the Penn State Nittany Lions trying to get revenge for their football team. Um, they will be here Friday and Saturday at 3M Arena at Mariucci in what should be um, an offensively powered weekend. Penn State, uh, they can they can shoot the puck a little bit. So uh, hopefully the Gophers goaltending stays playing well. Both Jack LaFontaine and Jared Moe. Uh, split action last weekend at Michigan. I would fully expect them to split action again against Penn State. They've looked pretty good. The defense has not been the problem for the Gophers. It's been they've struggled to put the puck in net at times. So hopefully they can uh, keep up with Penn State and, and try and be a, uh, a decent weekend. Does sound very positive. The other winter sport that is going on that the Gophers are also quite good at is volleyball. Andy, how is the volleyball team doing? Yeah, you know, normally this time of year we'd be praising the volleyball team up and down, but uh, they've sort of, unfortunately for them, uh, sort of taken a back shelf to the football team this year, obviously. But the Gopher volleyball team is doing what the Gopher volleyball team does. It hasn't been pretty all the time, but uh, they are 19-3 and on the year, sitting at 13-1, and tied for first place in the Big Ten. They've won eight matches in a row. Um, the Gophers, their last... Two have been sweeps. They swept Maryland and Ohio State on the road last weekend. 
but they have arguably up to this point their biggest match of the year coming up Thursday night when they host Wisconsin live on BTN. Um, the Badgers also, I think, have only lost one Big Ten Conference game, if I believe that's correct. Um, so this game will be huge for both uh, the Big Ten standings and for NCAA RPI. Uh, yeah, both Minnesota and Wisconsin sit on top of the Big Ten at 13-1, and one game ahead of both Nebraska and Penn State, who are 12-2. and uh, But the Gophers' schedule will get significantly tougher here. Minnesota has five, excuse me, six Big Ten matches left before the end of the regular season. Uh, as we said, they get Wisconsin here Thursday night, then they host Michigan Saturday night, um, and then Nebraska next weekend, and head to Penn State to finish the regular season the weekend after that. So uh, the Gophers will be playing the number two, the number three, and the number four teams in the conference here the next three weekends. So uh, hopefully they continue to keep things up. As we said, you know, 13-1, top of the Big Ten. I believe the last RPI numbers that came out had Minnesota in seventh spot. Um the way the NCAA works, if you remember, the top four seeded teams get to basically host and play at home all the way until the Final Four. Uh, otherwise, if you're one of the top 16 teams, which Minnesota pretty much has locked up, even if they'd lose a couple of matches here, uh, they'd be hosting the first two rounds at the PAV before then heading onto the round f- road for the round of 32 and the round of or for the round of 16 and the round of eight. Excuse me. So, um, but. The future also is bright for the Gopher Volleyball team. It was the early signing day for them as well, and they signed uh, arguably what is rated the number one recruiting class in the country for the class of 2020. Um, Basically, four players, several of whom I believe three are ranked in the top 15 individual recruits in the country. Uh, Number one being Taylor Landfair. Taylor Landfair out of Plainfield, Illinois, six foot four outside hitter. Uh, ranked the number one overall recruit in this year's class by Prep Volleyball, Under Armour First Team All-American. Absolutely just strong. She's the Illinois Gatorade National Player of the Year. She's been insane. Uh, They also bring in Melanie Schaffmaster. She's a setter from Newcastle, Indiana. Sorry, what is the name of this woman? Schaffmaster. No T. That is a phenomenal name. Yes. Uh, And she's also 6'3 and a setter, which is just crazy um she plays for newcastle high school they just won the indiana state championship last weekend she also has been an under armor first team all-american the last four years so since she's been a freshman she's been a first team all-american she's the number 16 national recruit um cami appiani she's from san diego she's a defensive specialist um she was the one gopher player who was not a first-team Under Armour All-American this year, but she's ranked in the top 100 players in the country. And finally, the Gophers are bringing in uh, Jenna Wenis. Jenna Wenis is from Frisco, Texas. Uh, she's the number three national recruit in the country, also an Under Armour first-team All-American. So... Hugh McCutcheon is bringing the number one, the number three, and the number 16 overall recruits in the country. That adds up to the number one recruiting class in the country for the Gophers for 2020. Uh, So yeah, the sky is only looking better and better for Minnesota's volleyball team, and we will continue to talk about them as one of the top programs in the country for years to come. I think the only thing I would have to add about that is clearly Hugh McCutcheon cannot recruit the state of Minnesota, and isn't that just a joke? Yeah, you know, I mean, they 
they brought in a couple players who are who, uh, legitimately, I mean, and, and I know you were joking there, but they do have Rachel Kilkenny from Shakopee, who's a freshman who's playing, I think, a lot bit more than, uh, than people thought. And, of course, CeCe McGraw, who's who's a sophomore libero from Minnesota, was one of the nation's best players. She's from Prior Lake. Uh, she was one of the nation's best players a couple years ago. So uh, McCutcheon really does have this team where they are recruiting on a national level, um, which, you know, you would think that, some of the other programs that are recruiting on a national level might get a little bit more respect for doing that rather than just trying to worry about local kids. But, um, yeah, Hugh McCutcheon really has this program in a place where he can try and pull the best of the best, whether they're Minnesota kids or not, to, to, Minnesota, uh, to the Gophers. And uh, with the 2020 class, he, he definitely seems to have succeeded. Well, speaking of hopeful success, and this is now the time for predictions on the football game this weekend. The key bit about this game, as I mentioned earlier, at least from the offensive side, the fundamental question beyond the obvious who wins in the trenches will be, will Minnesota be able to run the ball in against Iowa's 4-2-5? If that is the case, then I think Minnesota should score a lot of points. We're firmly of the opinion that if Minnesota has at least 30 points to their name, they will end up with a win in this game. On defense, the major player for me, particularly if he plays, is going to be Kamal Martin. But if he isn't going to be able to play, it is whoever's going to be playing the outside linebacker position. While it is the case this season that Iowa does not have an absolutely fantastic tight end, this is a team that definitely does like to throw the ball, and if they have the option to throw to a tight end, certainly will, as well as run the ball. In that case, in both both aspects of that, having an outside linebacker play that is at a high level will be key to winning this game. Andy, what is your prediction for Minnesota-Iowa? Yeah, you know, Iowa has a good defense, but I think we were really worried about the Penn State defense coming into last week, and Kirk Shiraka found a game play that really neutralized the strengths of the uh, Nittany Lion defense, and I really think he's got that up his sleeve again here. You know, I think everybody's still a little surprised that Iowa's favored by three in this game. Uh, if you look, the weather is going to be low 40s, cloudy, so it shouldn't have any effect whatsoever. Uh, Minnesota comes in 6-0 and in their last uh, six games against the spread. Obviously, if they're going to win this game, they're going to win against the spread, considering Iowa's favored by three at the moment. Um, I really do think Minnesota's going to find a way to pull this one off. You know, as we were talking about Rodney Smith, he comes in needing just 31 yards to go over 1,000. Uh, Rashad Bateman is only 153 yards away from going over 1,000. Um, I think both of those could happen Saturday in the right situation, but I do think Minnesota is going to game play on Iowa. I think they're going to figure out this Hawkeye defense, um, and I don't think they're going to let Iowa score wildly on the, on this Gopher defense. They're they're going to keep the Iowa defense slower. Uh, I've got the Gophers pulling out a thirty-one to twenty-three victory, and Floyd comes home. Well, I agree with Andy in terms of the who's going to win the game. Minnesota is absolutely going to win this game. Admittedly, I would say that in any season. But in this one, I actually think Minnesota should be the favorite. I, however, actually think the Iowa Hawkeye defense is quite good. As I mentioned, whether or not Minnesota will be able, especially if Iowa moves to a 4-2-5, which I suspect they will to try and take away either Tyler Johnson or Rashad Bateman, as well as potentially Chris Opmanbell, that 
it's going to be imperative that Minnesota is able to run the ball. I think that that will occur this week. I think Iowa has a great defense. I think Penn State's rush defense is better, and Minnesota showed that they certainly had the ability to run against that. I, however, do not think that Minnesota will put 30 on the board. I think they will put up 27, and I think Iowa will only manage 21. So Minnesota 27-21. Floyd returns to his rightful home, and the Gophers should be 10-0. and at the end of Saturday. We are absolutely thrilled that you stayed and joined our podcast this week. We have lots of great content, as we always do, on the Daily Gopher, both previewing the Iowa game as well as all of the other action for all other Gopher sports. But until next time, go Gophers, Skyuma, row the boat.